0: invite you guys to find your seats this morning i'll be honest this whole morning i was hoping that i would still be in the shade and i'm directly in the sun now my back but just think of this like we just saying uh may his favor shine upon you we just experiencing a lot of favor this morning right with the sun shining on us how many are grateful that we actually get to do this? Isn't this place beautiful? I feel like doing a wedding right now. Does anyone want to get married this morning? Just come up, we'll get married. All right, well, I hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we got to spend ours with family in, up in Roseville. It was a good time whenever we get to see my brother and nephew. How many of you guys were with family? something. How many of you had a little more quaint Thanksgiving this year, than years past. How many of you put up Christmas decorations this weekend? In my opinion, you're about two weeks too late. So let's just throw that out there. All right. I want to start this morning with a little bit of a a survey, all right, because I was driving home from work the other day, and I was listening to sports talk radio because I'm I'm a nerd, Um, but it's okay because we're all nerd about something, Right? Right? And they had uh, they had callers call in, and they were doing a Thanksgiving side dish draft, where you call in and be like, "All right, what's your what's your top pick Thanksgiving side dish?" So I thought, what is the most popular Thanksgiving side dish? So we'll do this with just a show of hands if you want to cheer, just because it's somewhat sports related. We'll do that too. So, how many of you? It's stuffing. Stuffing is like the big thing because you only eat it at Thanksgiving, right? You don't have stuffing any other time of the year. It's only Thanksgiving. All right, how many of you, it's uh, any form of potato? Mashed potato, baked potato, we'll throw yams in there. If you get Chick-fil-A waffle fries and bring them to your Thanksgiving, because it fits. It fits, I'll tell you that. All right, how many of you, green bean casserole? Thank you. Okay, I love green bean casserole. Thank you, Pam. All right, and then uh, lastly, let's say any form of bread, rolls, croissants, any delicious bread type. All right, um, how many of you, we're not going to say pies because pie not a side dish, it's dessert. But how many of you eat pie like it's a side dish, right? When you go back, you get seconds, you get thirds, it's still out. There's still some left, you got to eat it. All right, my favorite by far Thanksgiving side dish is cranberry sauce which most of you might think is a garnish. Not the way I eat it. It is a full-on side dish. How many of you like, have families that make the homemade cranberry sauce, right? So I spent Thanksgiving a few years back in Montana. A family had us over, and she found out that I like cranberry sauce. And so she made this gourmet cranberry sauce. And it, was, it wasn't bad. But in my head, I'm like, this just isn't it. Because for me, it's got to be like the ocean-spray-canned, jellied cranberry sauce, it can't be, like, homemade. It has to have little ripples. It has to take 20 minutes to get out of the can. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Just you kind of squeeze all around it, and then it's got the ripples around it. That's, that is by far my favorite Thanksgiving dish. All right, most of you know that we've been in uh, a series about gratitude for the last. This is week number five, and we get to wrap it up. When we talked about the immutability of God... Right, the steadfastness, the, the unchanging nature of God. We talked about the sovereignty of God, the faithfulness of God, the peace of God. And what I love about this series is that we get to explore different characteristics of God. And I believe that the more we learn about God, the more it compels us to action. Right? Revelation always leads to response. So the more that we learn about the, the nature and the character of God, it compels us to action. We can't stay the same. We must live differently. And so we're going to continue that today. Um, We're going to talk about being thankful for God's provision. All right? And uh, this is kind of my verbal syllabus. This is what we're going to do today. We're going to just briefly look at things we learn or relearn or remind ourselves about God's provision through Exodus. And then we're going to talk about how that recognition of God's provision leads us, uh, compels us to action. All right? right, If you have your phones, because we don't have a screen today, all of the notes are in your YouVersion app. Uh, which I recommend seeing it because, again, we don't have notes. We won't have verses on the screen. Right, so in this context, we're going to open up an exodus. And Israel it has been enslaved in Egypt for years and years. And how many of you have seen Prince of Egypt? Great movie. If you haven't, go home and watch it um, or watch a Christmas movie and then watch it. Um, because it sets up the story nice, right? We know they're enslaved. We know Moses, or God calls Moses the burning bush. And then the 10 plagues happen, and then Pharaoh finally is like, all right, Israel, get out of here. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. And so that's where we're going to pick up. And we're not going to read. We're going to travel kind of quick, so we're not going to read it all. But Exodus thirteen twenty and 22 says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart, from before the people. Right, so the first thing we learn here about God's provision is that God's provision isn't always material. Right, how many of you are thankful for that? Sometimes that's healing, sometimes it's freedom, sometimes it's peace, it's our eternal salvation. Right? And in this case for Israel, it's direction. And how many of us have needed a direction from the Lord in our lives? I need it daily, right? God, what do you want me to do in this situation? God's like, okay, you asked, here's the answer go, go do what I say. And maybe for some of us, that's choosing between two jobs, choosing where to move, choosing where to live. Maybe it's about how to deal with any difficult situations. Um, if we ask the Lord for direction, we believe that he's going to be faithful to provide that. All right, so the second thing, we say that God's provision brings hope when there seems to be no hope. So after Israel leaves, they're, they're sitting by the Red Sea, very familiar story again, right? Pharaoh decides that he doesn't want all of his free labor to leave because the pyramids aren't going to build themselves. And so he sends his whole army after Israel. And they're, at this point, in a in a literal kind of dead-end situation, right? They're backed up against the sea. And we know what happens. God tells Moses, hey, take your staff, put it in the sea, and we know it splits, right? And this isn't like a like a creek, you know? This isn't like a little river where a beaver can stop the waters. This is a sea, right? Imagine, like, a great big body of water, and God's like, okay, let's just do that, split it. And all the people of Israel walk on dry ground. God's provision brings hope when there seems to be no hope. And God's provision sometimes comes from existing sources. What do I mean by that? So Israel, a couple days later, they're thirsty, because they didn't get the pack truckloads of water with them. And they come across this, this body of water, and they go to drink it, and it's bitter. And the water's bitter. And they're like, great, we can't drink this, now what? And so God tells Moses, hey, you see that log on the ground? Just pick it up, toss it into the water, just like a beanbag, just toss it in. And when the log hits the water, the water becomes sweet, right? God's provision comes from existing sources. That body of water was already there. And they weren't expecting to be able to drink it because it was bitter. And God made it sweet. And because of that, all the people of Israel got to drink. How many of us have been in a situation where we, we didn't know how we were going to maybe pay bills or buy groceries or an unexpected expense came up. And then we happened to get like a bonus check from work or a raise or a promotion. Right? A, a source that already existed yet somehow became a greater means of provision for us. All right. All right. Moving on. And we're going to We're. If it feels like I'm going through this quick, uh, it's because I am because we got a lot to get through. So God's provision is sometimes more than the basics. It has flavor. All right. So now Israel has something to drink, but now they're hungry and they don't have anything to eat. And so the Lord says, it's all right, guys, go to bed. And when you wake up in the morning, there's going to be a bunch of dew on the ground. And then when that dew lifts, there's going to be bread. There's going to be manna from heaven, and the Bible says that manna tasted like wafers made with honey. Does that not sound delicious? I remember the first time I ever went to a Texas Roadhouse. How many know where I'm going with this? And the rolls they give you with the honey butter. Anybody, did that change your life? Is that just me? I could go to the Texas Roadhouse and just sit there in the foyer and just, like, eat bread and honey and peanuts. All right, so it has flavor, right? God wants to bring something flavorful into our lives. And that means that God just sometimes just doesn't care about the basic needs of our lives. Sometimes he's like wants to give us a little more. How many of us have experienced a little bit more of God's favor in our lives and his provision? All right. Then God's provision is excitedly, spontaneously, miraculous. How many of you experienced that? Right? The miraculous. So Israel at this point, they've gotten water, they've gotten food, and now they're thirsty again. And they're not by a body of water. So God tells Moses, because it's just crazy, all the things God tells Moses to do that are just kind of absurd. Like, hey, stick your staff in the water, and then see what happens. Hey, throw this log into the water, see what happens. In this case, it's, hey, take your staff and punch a rock. He punches this rock, and water flows out. And before, I never thought about this, but I always thought of, like, you know, There's a little hole in a rock, and the water trickled out like a drinking fountain. You know when like 10 elementary kids are lining up at this fountain and drinking? But this, they had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people with them that all got water, including livestock, from a rock. From a rock that didn't have internal piping down to a well or anything like that. Water just gushed out miraculously from a rock. How many of you have been on the receiving end of a miracle? Anyone? God's provision is excitedly, spontaneously miraculous. All right, and the Lord provided for Israel time and time again on their way to the promised land, and when they're actually able to go into the promised land, when they send 12 spies in, they saw the opposition is too great to overcome, right? The spies even went as far as to lie to the rest of Israel, like, oh, this place, man, it'll eat you up. It'll devour you, right? Right? All that God had done through these things, all the miracles that we've seen and the way God's provided, 10 of the spies saw the opposition as too great for God to overcome, and they didn't think that he could provide for them again. All except for two people, Joshua and Caleb, right, who had seen too much. They had seen God come through time and time and time again to think that he was unable to come through once more. Right? They had experienced his provision throughout their journey, and it gave them the faith to keep moving forward. We're going to jump into Numbers 14, 6, and 9. It says, And the Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we passed through to spy it out, it is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey, Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Now I'm not entirely convinced that Joshua and Caleb knew how God was gonna provide. They just knew that he was, right? They knew, they had seen him do it before and they knew that he would do it again. God had proven himself as provider and that knowledge of God and the understanding of who he is And what he had done for them compelled them to action, right? The revelation of God and what he's done led to a response. And it gave them the faith to move forward and it gave them the freedom to move forward because they knew that God, and we know that God's not going to call us into something just to abandon us there, right? If God's calling us into something, it's because he's going to see it through and he's going to provide everything we need to carry out his will for our lives, Right, and this leads us to action, right? So that was that was our brief kind of reminder of the provision of God. And now we're going to talk about how that compels us to action today. And the first thing is that recognizing God's provision should lead to testimony, right? Just like it did for Joshua and Caleb. Everyone knows here, hopefully most of you know, that our son is named Caleb, right? And this was a very intentional thing, um, not that it could have been by accident we didn't like wake up one day like what's our what's our son's name Caleb what how did that happen okay obviously it was an intentional thing but the reason behind that is that Caleb means to be bold and to have a bold faith and when Holly and I got married we were adamant that we wanted our kids to grow up in a family that experienced God for who he is and didn't just hear about him right we wanted to see him come through in our lives time and time again as we made the dedication and commitment to follow him and his will for our lives. All right? We wanted to be bold in our faith and not be afraid to go wherever or do whatever God wanted us to go or do. And from that moment in 2016 that God called us back out to California, we started to see his favor and see him provide. We needed a car that would get us to California because our cars... Um, we're not going to, to say the least. And so we had a some amount of money saved up for a car, and our friends were selling theirs, and it was a really good condition. The only thing that was wrong with it is a couple dents from a hailstorm, right? If you've seen our car, you know what we're talking about. It looks like a golf ball on the side of it, right? And so I text my friend. He's like, hey, how much are you selling your car for? He's like, this much, and I was like, ah, oh, that's too high. But we'll sell it to you for this much, which happened to be exactly what we budgeted for a new car, right? God's provision there. And when we moved out here, I needed a job. I got hired at Verizon, which has really good benefits in a time where we needed really good benefits because we had a baby. Babies are expensive if you don't have good benefits, right? And and not only that, but God gave, us success, or gave me success while I was there. But more importantly, he opened my eyes to see what people are like. How many of you know that if you get kind of, spend too much time in a christian bubble you forget what the rest of the world is like and when you forget what the rest of the world is like you forget how to reach them right what people are going through knowing what normal life looks like for normal people so that was probably the biggest blessing that i got from that job is learning what people are like right the needs that they have their their philosophy and their perspectives of life knowing how to reach them All right, and because of that job, we got to move into an apartment because we were living with my parents for six months. God bless them. If you've lived with parents, you know that it's probably uh, harder for them than it is for you. And I'm saying that because my parents are here, and I can't say the opposite. All right, so we moved in, and my coworker at the time lived in the same apartment complex as us, but he moved in the summer, we moved in the winter, and come to find out that he was paying $500 more a month for the same place that we were. But because he moved in the summer, and we moved into winter, we got a reduced rate. Thank you, Jesus, right? All right, Um, and I'm sorry if I'm going too long with testimony. I actually had to narrow a list a lot because of the blessings that God's had on our lives, But there came a time, too, where we were really struggling financially. We didn't know how we were going to make ends meet and groceries and bills and stuff. And some friends of ours came into some money. That's what they told us. We came into some money, and we're praying to God, God, what do you want us to do with this? And so they told us, we uh, felt like God said, hey, give it to you guys. What? Who does that? You know who does that? People that trust in God's provision— and seek out the Lord for what to do with their lives, and it compels them to action, and they follow through, and that becomes a blessing and a way of provision for someone else, right? What a testimony, and then I got a new job now, uh, which is great hours, and it's a steady job, and even more importantly, has been in an area, a field that has been steady through 2020, and this pandemic, right? And how many of you know, these are very uncertain times, and a lot of people have kind of not known what to do with this entire year. But thank you, Jesus, that, are, that my job is secure and that has been able to provide. So that's, that's a little bit of my testimony. And like I said, that's only a part of it. But yet in the midst of all the blessings that God's done for me, if I'm going to be completely honest and real, there's a lot of times where I struggled with contentment along the way, right? It's, it's amazing how easily, God, thank you for this home, can turn into, these cabinets are really cheap, Aren't they? You know, there's not a lot of natural light that comes into this area of our place, you know. Wish we could just brighten it up. When are we going to get out of here? Right? Shame on me for that. But that leads us to point two. Is that recognizing God's provision, recognizing God's provision should lead us to contentment. My grumbling over the blessings of God sounded a lot like Israel. Right? Because all the times we just read about, about God providing water manna from heaven splitting the red sea you know what israel did time and time again oh my gosh it's miserable we should have just stayed in egypt we were slaved because at least we had food right time and time again as god was coming through for them they still grumbled and thought they were better off in slavery right recognizing god's provision should lead us to contentment first timothy six verse six through eleven it says but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we can take we cannot take anything out of the world but if we have food and clothing with these we will be content for those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith And pierce themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Godliness with contentment is great gain. I'm going to pause here for a second because I don't want you to misinterpret the things I'm going to say. Having a lot of money or resources or wealth is not a bad thing. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that's a bad thing. All right, so I don't want you to come away with that. But what Paul is saying here is that it's the blind pursuit of wealth that causes people to fall, right? It's our blind pursuit. It's when we focus all of our attention and our efforts into wealth is into riches, that causes people to fall. Godliness with contentment is great gain. How many of you here two weeks ago when Pastor Brian gave us a gratitude challenge? To write down at least three things every day from then to the rest of the year that we are grateful for. How many of us have kind of kept with that. If you haven't, it's not too late to start, right? If you make it to the end of the year and you haven't done it, it's still not too late to start, right? Because all that happens when we do this, at the very least, is that we're able to see the blessings of God. Like, there is no downfall. There's no reason not to do this, really, in my opinion. All right, so it opened my eyes to see how richly blessed I am and how God's provided for my needs, not just in a monetary way, but also in a lot of other ways, right? Because a majority of my list of things I'm thankful for have no monetary value attached to them, right? My family, my friends, my kids' laughter, because kids' laughter is the greatest thing in the world. Peace that surpasses understanding. Hope, freedom in Christ, eternal salvation. My smoking hot wife, in the back, if you know who she is. I am a very, very richly blessed man, How many of us can say with confidence that we are very, very richly blessed people? Amen. All right, recognizing God's provision should lead to contentment. And then lastly, recognizing God's provision should free us to move boldly in faith, like Caleb and Joshua. We're going to look at Matthew 6, 25-34, which is a very familiar passage. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We've all probably heard that passage before. It's a very familiar passage. But whenever you start a passage with the word therefore, Holly's going to hate me for saying this. But whenever you come across the word therefore, you must find out what therefore is therefore. Right From a grammatical perspective, if you see the word therefore, it's referencing something prior to it. Right? Nobody starts a section of writing with therefore. All right, so let's back up and see what this is in response to. Matthew 9, 19-24. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body so if your eye is healthy the whole body will be full of light but if your eye is bad your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you the light in you is darkness. wind. How great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now here we have a section that's calling us out on where we're putting our treasure, followed by a section telling us not to be anxious about our needs. And this is, I believe that Jesus is telling us to stop putting so much attention and focus on earthly riches and start focusing more on the things of God. Amen? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Even in the verses before, it says, your heavenly father knows that you need them. Right? Your needs are not, A surprise to the Lord, right? Sometimes our needs might come up as a surprise to us, but God knows everything, right? There's no, nothing that surprises the Lord. And I love Matthew 21, the way the Passion Translation, the paraphrase puts this. It says, for your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. It's about the pursuit, guys. Are we putting all of our focus on the pursuit of God and his ways, what he's telling us to do as servants of the most high, or are we again, or are we taking that focus off of him and putting it on wealth? Again, there's nothing wrong with having wealth, it's the pursuit. Do you know what money is to a lot of people, at least what it's been to me? It's security, right? If we're being honest, money is security for a lot of us, right? People get so anxious about and stressed about money because it has to do with your personal well-being and security. The more we have saved, the more we have in case an emergency arises, right? Maybe we can afford to live in a nicer neighborhood. Maybe we can put our kids in a better school. Maybe we can drive a safer car. Maybe we can save up enough to feel secure in retirement or to even retire in general. People want to know that they're taken care of. And often turn to money as the answer. But as 2020 has taught us anything, is that that's super stressful, right? Putting all of our hope and our our expectation on money to provide for us, money that's here today, gone tomorrow, is really stressful. Going back to 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. But on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So, what does this have to do with being free to move boldly in faith? God is assuring us that He will provide for our needs so that we can, without worry, pursue the things of God and his will for our lives, right? He doesn't want us focused on the temporary treasures. He wants us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, knowing and being assured that he will provide the rest. If you've been a part of my Zoom groups over the summer or our outdoor connect group, you've probably heard me say this more than once, and so you get to hear it again. Um, And that's, I'm convinced that the people of God, if we heard the Lord tell us to do something, we would do it. The question is whether or not we're actively listening for what he's telling us to do, right? When I was 25 and single, it was easy to move to Montana, right? That didn't take a lot of faith. What took a lot more faith was being 32, married with a child, and moving back with a lot of uncertainty into a very expensive place to live. But we know that God's going to provide. If he calls us to something, he's going to provide that to us. Right, moving to California didn't make sense, but it was what God was telling us to do. And God not only has provided for us in a monetary way, but it's been faith building for us. It's been healing for us. We've, we've grown in many ways. We've developed new skills in a lot of areas we never would have. We've had successes in a lot of areas we never would have. We made deep friendships and so much more. When we recognize God as our provider, we don't have to be anxious about how he's going to bri- provide we can trust that he will, right? Pastor Brian talked about God's faithfulness. And one of his points was that God is faithful to provide. And then when we, when we trust that God will provide and he's calling us to something that maybe has a lot of uncertainty, we don't know how things are going to go, it can be exciting if we shift our perspective. Because we get to just see how he's going to do it, Right? I'm a, a huge movie guy, and I love uh, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as it were. Sad that there's nothing in 2020, but it's okay. We'll get through it. And so this movie called Avengers Endgame came out, and there's a scene towards the end. Um, if you haven't seen it, I'm gonna, I might spoil it because it's been out for a long time, really. And there's a scene at the end where this entire opposition, this entire army, is in front of Captain America, who stands up by himself. And then this moment in the theater, I'm thinking, okay, well, there's no way that the good guys lose in this, right? This is like the final epic showdown. We know they're not going to lose. So the fun part was, how is this going to happen, right? We know they're going to win. How is it going to come about? What do the writers have in store for us? What great epic thing is going to bring this movie into a conclusion? And I feel like when we have a proper perspective of God's provision, that's how we can be in our lives, Right? We can follow and pursue the things of God, knowing that he's going to provide. So we get to sit back and say, all right, God, how are you going to do it? Is it going to be like parting the Red Sea? Is it going to be like punching a rock and letting water flow out of it? What is our testimony of God's provision going to be? Because I believe with my whole heart that the people of God should have countless, endless testimonies of the way God's provided for us. Right? Times He's come through when it didn't make sense because we're following we're focused more on the will of God and what he's calling us to do than our own personal security because God's going to come through, right? How many of you know that the provision or the testimony of God doesn't stop at the end of Revelation, right? It carries on through us, through the church, the people of God following him out. And that kind of brings it full circle that God's provision becomes part of our testimony, right? And none of this, like, have you ever told, been talking to a coworker about you know, like a difficult situation, and then God worked things out? But when you're telling someone, you say, "Oh, and you know what? It uh, it all just kind of worked out." Right? I know. I've, if I'm being real, I've done that, <laughs> right? And I'm ashamed of it because that's stealing the testimony away from God. Let's be a people who put ourselves in situations because we hear the voice of the Lord, putting ourselves in situations where God is going to come through for us, and there's not gonna be another way but for God to come through for us so that we can tell everyone around us how God came through for us, right? God's provision should lead to our testimony and should lead to his glory. Again, we should have countless stories about the ways that God has provided for us. I'm gonna wrap this up with a, the message paraphrase of Matthew 6:34. It says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Guys, let's be active listeners for what God is calling us to do. And be more concerned about carrying that out than about any external circumstances. Right? Because we know that God is faithful. We know that he will provide and he's not going to call us into something and abandon us along the way. All right? We can trust and we can hold fast to God's unchanging nature. And if he's calling us to do something, he's going to provide for us the entire way. Amen. And I'm going to release us to table talk. Obviously, you're not around tables. So if you want to, you have the option of just having it with the people around you. Or if you want to kind of pod up with people, make sure you're kind of distance. You keep your masks on. Actually, I encourage you guys to kind of just turn the chairs around. We don't have to come back and set them up like this. So go ahead and turn around, find some people, find a little pod, keep your masks on, and enjoy a few minutes of table talk.